This is Curl Up with a Cat Tale, and I'm Gwen Cooper, the New York Times bestselling author of numerous cat-centric titles, including Homer's Odyssey, A Fearless Feline Tale, or How I Learned About Love and Life with a Blind Wonder Cat, Spray Anything, More True Tales of Homer and the Gang, and The Book of Possum, Head Bonks, Raspy Tongues, and 101 Reasons Why Cats Make Us So, So Happy. We're here to celebrate all things feline and to tell inspirational cat tales. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tale with Gwen Cooper. I am, of course, Gwen Cooper, your host, and delighted, as always, to be here with you. Joining us later in today's episode, we'll be speaking with Mick Zidlowski, who some of you may know as the human force behind Oscar the Blind Cat and his brother Klaus. And these days, of course, Klaus is hanging out with Juno and George, two blind cats. And we are going to hear all about what is new and exciting in, in the, uh, in, in Klaus's family and get some of the backstory in Oscar and, and find out how the whole gang of them got together. So you'll definitely want to stick around to hear that. But before we get there, I actually am coming to you today with an issue that is time sensitive. It is so time sensitive that I am recording this podcast even though there's kind of a violent thunderstorm happening outside, which would not matter for recording purposes, except as, as you know, I live in a creepy old house that tends to get very drippy and echoey sounding when there are thunderstorms outside, even though I am uh, hidden here in my closet to avoid it. So if you hear that in the background, uh, please bear with me. Normally, I would wait until there were some better audio conditions in which to record, but but this is a time-sensitive issue, and, and I'm kind of headed up about it. And once you hear a little bit more, you will probably undoubtedly understand why this one has gotten under my skin so much. So those of you who follow me on social media, on Facebook, um, or who are on my mailing list, and if you are not doing any of those things, I encourage you to do so, by the way. And if you're not already on my mailing list, you can actually get a free copy of a new book about Homer just by joining my mailing list. Um, we can talk more about that later. But anyway, if you are on my mailing list, if you're following me on social media, then you have already read something about Kelly, a blind kitten in Sweden whose life is in danger, um, not from abusers, not from some sort of, of monstrous human who takes delight in tormenting a blind kitten, but from a local Swedish government and from the Swedish Society for Animal Welfare. Uh, these are the threats to Kelly the Blind Kitten's life. And, and let me just give you a little bit of backstory on this and then tell you what you can do to help Kelly out. So Kelly is a blind kitten, much like Homer. She had to have her eyes removed at a very young age. She was lucky enough to be found by a wonderful rescue organization, um, if you guys are listening, please forgive me from the rescue organization. Please forgive me for undoubtedly mispronouncing the name, but Kat Yorin is the name of the organization, K-A-T-T-J-O-U-R-E-N. Also to my Swedish friends, um, Lawrence and I, as, as some of you know, Lawrence lived in Sweden for a year and has many dear friends in Sweden still. And so uh, despite having spent much time with you, apparently I still butcher the, the names of things, and I apologize for that. But Kat Yorin, or Kat Yorin, is the name of the rescue organization. And they took Kelly in and gave her medical treatment. She had to be much like Homer. She had to be enucleated, um, which means that she had to have surgery to remove her eyes in order to prevent the further spread of infection. And they found her a wonderful adoptive family who just fell in love with her. And I'm going to tell you where you can see pictures and video of Kelly in a little bit. And you, once you do, you will understand why they fell in love with her. And this sounds like it should be a, a story that's on its way to a very happy ending. It, everything worked the way it's supposed to. A kitten was found to, who needed treatment. She got the treatment she needed. She got the care and love and attention that every cat should have. She very quickly found a wonderful forever home. Uh, those of us who work in rescue know that so frequently special needs animals have a difficult time in finding forever homes. But Kelly was lucky and that did not pertain to her. 
And yet somebody, we are not sure who, possibly somebody who is in some way affiliated with the veterinary practice where Kelly was treated, reported the situation to the local government, uh, basically the Swedish equivalent of, let's say, county government, um, claiming that the situation was inhumane, that it was inhumane to allow a blind kitten to live. The government initially agreed with this assessment. They have confiscated Kelly. Right now, she is currently living in the Swedish equivalent of the pound. She was snatched away from everything she knew and everyone who cared about her. She is now alone in a teeny tiny little cage by herself with no idea what is going on or why she was taken away from the people who know her and love her pending a court hearing in Sweden next Wednesday to determine whether or not it is inhumane to allow a blind kitten to live. And the Swedish Council for Animal Welfare has weighed in on the issue, claiming that it would be cruel to allow a blind kitten to live, especially a kitten, because a cat who... They, they, they claim, and I really don't understand the logic, so forgive me if I cannot make it make sense to you. Their claim is that if a, it's one thing if a cat goes blind when he or she is older, but that a cat who has never been able to see is going to have a harder time adjusting to blindness and will always be scared and will always be limited and will always be intimidated and blah, 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 blah. And part of the reason, and I'm sure you can hear the anger in my voice because this is not obviously the tone that I usually adopt in, in talking to all of you fine people who I really do love for listening to me, um, but all of the pardon the language horseshit that I first heard when I first adopted Homer 25 years ago. I published Homer's Odyssey 12 years ago, and, and, and uh, you know, I, I guess I'm just not as smart a cookie as I like to think I am, because I really thought that this had sort of more or less been settled, at least in, in civilized circles. I understand that there are still many places in the globe where animals are neglected, where animals are mistreated, where animals are not cared for. But I thought, I really thought between books like Homer's Odyssey um, the 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 proliferation on social media of cats like Oscar the blind cat and and so many other wonderful special needs animals online who are followed by millions of people around the world. I really thought that we had evolved past this kind of ignorant thinking um, to to hear at this late date. A, a somebody purporting to be a scientist who cares about animals making the claim that a blind kitten is going to be nothing but scared and intimidated and limited and fearful as she grows up. It, it, it's be, I, I know I should not take this as personally as I am, but I swear to God, you guys, I feel like somebody is saying to me, Homer never existed. You never wrote a book about him. He didn't even happen. It never happened. Remember that time that that quote unquote scared, intimidated cat who saved your life when he chased a burglar out of your apartment in the middle of the night? The the bravest cat I have ever known. He actually never existed. That never happened because, of course, any cat who started out as a blind kitten to grow up to be a blind adult cat could not possibly find the wherewithal to 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 so much as live an ordinary life, much less live the extraordinary life that Homer, the blind cat, lived, that Oscar, the blind cat, lived, that Juno and George, the blind cats, are currently living, and I don't know their names, but I know that so many of you listening have your own or have had your own or have rescued blind cats yourselves. Some of you support Blind Cat Rescue and Sanctuary, some of you are actually with Blind Cat Rescue and Sanctuary. Probably anyone listening to this podcast, if, if we're being honest, even if you yourself have never lived with a blind cat, you are listening to this podcast right now because Homer's story reached you and touched you. And so I myself know to a certainty that I, God only knows what would have happened to me that night in July 
uh, you know, in Miami Beach in July of 2000, if Homer had not been there to protect me and to chase that man from my apartment. But I do know that that none of you would be listening to this podcast now if you did not know Homer's story, if you were not familiar with it, if it had not touched you and enriched your life in some way. And and so just this idea that a blind kitten has nothing to offer and has nothing ahead of her except fear and pain, and it's just better to, to put her down now, it is, is so enraging to me. In fact, it is so enraging that, that I'm going to stop right now talking about this. I'm going to tell you what you can do about it, and you can do something uh, to help Kelly out. And, and then we're going to move on to the interview with Mick. And, and I'm going to try to calm down a little bit and, and not be spitting quite so much blood when I leave my little ad hoc recording booth and, and rejoin my husband and our cats. So if you are wondering what you can do, and I, and I certainly hope that you are, the good news is there is something you can do. Um, if you go to my website, if you go to GwenCooper.com, and that's G-W-E-N-C-O-O-P-E-R.com, you will see a tab on my website that says Save Kelly the Kitten. Uh, the good news is no money is needed. We do. I am not asking for money. There is no money. This is not a financial uh, a commitment. Some of you have already written to me asking if the, if you can make donations, if donations would help. We're actually not looking for donations. What the rescue organization advocating for Kelly really needs is three things. Um, first, there is a petition that you can sign, and there is a link to that on that Save Kelly the Kitten page on my website. The second, if you are someone who has lived with a blind cat if you currently have a blind cat, if you work in rescue and you have rescued or worked with or have anything to say about blind cats, um, you can write to the court that is going to be making a decision, the decision about whether or not Kelly should live or die. Your letter should be brief and it should be polite. I I, I feel like I'm, I'm certainly, I'm very riled. You're probably riled too. Please do not begin, <laughs> you know, your letter like Dear Morons, how could you idiots think that a blind cat should be should be euthanized? And that is not productive. Um, and actually, the media there is some media hopefully interested in this in Sweden. So some of your letters might actually be used for media purposes. People in Sweden, for the most part, speak fluent and excellent English. So it is completely fine to write your letter in English. You do not have to worry about translating it or using Google Translate to translate it into Swedish. Um, and again, if you go to my website, you will see both the email address you should send that letter to and the docket number uh, for Kelly's court case, which you should include in the subject line so they know where which file to put your letter in. Uh, feel free to include pictures or videos of your cats. Um, if you When you go to my website, you can actually just click a button and it will automatically open an, an email on your computer or phone with that information filled in with the email address and the subject line already filled in. So you don't have to worry about copying and pasting and, and all of that pain in the neck stuff. You can, but you don't have to. And the last thing that we are looking for are veterinarians, cat experts, um, anyone who has a background in neuroscience, neurobiology, brain plasticity. We want to counter the argument that the Swedish Council for Animal Welfare has put forward that a cat, a kitten's brain cannot rewire itself to compensate for vision loss. I mean, again, this is just so frustrating. This is Homer. It really, this is Homer's whole story. This is Homer with his super senses. Homer, who heard that guy in my apartment probably before he was even, you know, within 10 feet of my apartment, Homer knew he was coming. Um, but, you know, Homer who could smell tuna while it was still in the can. Homer who had these exceptionally sharp senses. Homer, the wonder cat, the daredevil. Um, it, it really is maddening, again, that this is an open issue that we are still arguing. But anyway, anybody who can speak to that from a scientific perspective um, is also encouraged to email and actually not email the courts. We're asking you to email Kat Yorin directly. Kat Yorin 
Again, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing things. Please email directly. And again, if you go to GwenCooper.com and click on Save Kelly the Kitten and you scroll to the bottom, you will see the, the email address. And again, there's a click a button you can click and it will automatically open an email um, with the email address and the subject line. So all you have to do is fill in your information and just let them know that you have a scientific background or a veterinary background or a neurobiological background, et cetera, et cetera, and that you are interested in off- offering your assistance. Um, you know, if, if you are a vet tech, if you do anything within the medical industry, again, or if you are a cat behavioral expert, if you can claim any kind of scientific or professional expertise of any kind, let them know. Um, They may not be able to use your testimony, but then again, they might be able to. And really, we're just looking for all the ammunition that we can muster. And again, if there's nothing else you can do, you can certainly sign and share the petition. So go to my website, get the link, sign the petition. It's in Swedish. You're going to have to either open that petition in Google Chrome, which should automatically translate it into English, or you can copy and paste the text into Google Translate or into Bing Translate, or if you have other translation software, or or if your browser offers a translation service, um, it should translate. It's in Swedish um, because, of course, the, the case is in Swedish. But you can find that link, sign the petition, share the petition, spread the word, let people know. Again, we we are trying to save Kelly's life, but I think what we are also trying to do is to make sure that no other blind kitten has to go through has to has to go through this again has to have her life on the line simply because she is blind we have an opportunity right now to educate an entire country about special needs cats and that is a rare opportunity and and I certainly hope that all of you will help me in taking advantage of it and doing this for Kelly and also for all the special needs animals everywhere in the world who need advocates to remind people that a special needs cat is still just a cat who is as capable of loving you and being loved and living a wonderful life as any other cat and certainly deserves the opportunity to do so. And with that, I'm going to take a short break And when we come back, we will be speaking with Nick Zidlowski. So sit back, get comfortable, and stick around for more Curl Up with a Cattail. Thanks so much for sticking around. Today's guest is a Seattle-based marketing consultant, author, and dad to two little girls and a trio of cats named Klaus, Juno, and George. He was also the human behind Oscar the Blind Cat, whose delightful antics and tremendous grace have inspired people around the world. He's written and published two children's books featuring the adventures of Oscar and Klaus and plans to release a third book later this year. The Oscar and Klaus books have won awards from the National Federation of the Blind, and one even traveled into outer space well before Richard Branson or Jeff Bezos, where it was read on camera by an astronaut aboard the International Space Station. And he is, last but not least, and along with his wife, Bethany, among my husband's and my very favorite couple friends. Please give an extra warm curl up with a cattail welcome to Mick Zidlowski. Welcome, Mick. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Thank you so much for having me on. You know, it's it's long overdue and people may not realize this. I actually, you were the first person I ever interviewed for this podcast, but I was just mm-hmm. getting the hang of Zoom. And so it ended up coming, it just sounded so terrible that I didn't want to air it because just the sound quality was completely off. And um, and so we've been we've been looking to reschedule since then. And I am so glad that we are finally able to do so. Absolutely. And there's more to talk about. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess now, right? As as time keeps rolling by, more things keep coming up, and you know, exactly. Uh, and and so the first thing, and this is like, like all of a sudden sprang up over the last twenty four hours, and you and I have have talked on the phone about this already. Um, is, is this this blind kitten 
in Sweden. And, you know, we, we talk, people like to talk a lot about bubbles today. Everybody lives inside their bubble, their political bubble, their socioeconomic bubble, whatever it is, you know, this mm-hmm. idea that we are all out of touch with people who think differently than we do. And I always feel that because I work in rescue and I'm sure you find the same thing. Uh-huh. I actually end up talking to people who are so completely different just because there's so many people of all political, ethnic, religious, socioeconomic backgrounds who are passionate about animals. And so I, I never really feel like I am in a bubble. Um, but I guess I kind of am because I, I really thought this whole it's cruel to allow blind, you know, blind cats can't have a good quality of life. I really thought at some point in the last 12 years since I published Homer's Odyssey that that question had been settled. And I guess it isn't. I guess not. Yeah, it, it's puzzling to me, but it just takes one person, you know, to have a an outdated mindset to really mess things up. And I think this is exactly the case here. I, you know, I, I guess so. I'm just wondering. So, I mean, you and I started at different times and in different ways. You know, I, I started with a book. You started with a viral video um, that mm-hmm. that that became so popular so quickly. And I'm wondering, you know, when you first adopted Oscar and, and that video happened when Oscar was still a kitten. So your adoption of him and, and his fame kind of happened fairly close together, if I'm exactly. correct. Uh, yes. Um, and, you know, did you encounter initially, you know, I just remember when I first adopted Homer and this this was like 25 years ago before social media, there were there were certainly people isn't it sad? Isn't he sad? Doesn't, you know, how does he get around? I mean, do mm-hmm. you find a lot of that, you know, you adopted Oscar so much later. Did you still, were you still finding that or were people like, oh yeah, blind cats are totally cool. Yeah, no, I, I found a lot of that. And and all of this happened, honestly, close to a decade ago, the Oscar video came out in October of 2011 and he was adopted in July of 2011. And the initial you know, social media network we used was uh, YouTube. And then I later transferred to um, Facebook. But on YouTube, there was a constant stream of comments thinking that allowing a blind cat to exist, to live, even one that is seemingly so happy in the video, was somehow a cruel thing to do. And um, over the years, those comments, the frequency of those comments has decreased completely. I, I rarely ever encounter anything like that i can't even remember the last time um anybody said that he's better off being put to sleep than yeah you know allowed to exist but yeah i i, I mean like some jerk at a out. you know every so often there'll be some jerk at it like a cocktail party you know what i mean like like i'll just mm-hmm. meet not on social media certainly not in the, like i said i guess i really live in this bubble every so often i meet just some yuts at a party yeah. or social occasion somewhere it's like Oh, that's it. You know, why would you even bother the blind cat? Because there's so many normal cats who blah, 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 whatever it is. Uh, but um, that it's that it's, you know, a, a I mean, not the national government of Sweden. It's it's like the equivalent of a county government. Yes, let's exactly. say. But even still that that in a perfectly civilized country like Sweden, you know, that this mm-hmm. is a question that the government is questioning this. It, it, it really does amaze me. It it blows my mind too, but I think it's just an issue of the person not thinking through what's going to happen to this cat. This cat is not going to be released into the wild and, you know, fending for itself, even though I think a blind cat would do relatively well outside, way better in the wilderness than I would do. I, I promise you a blind cat would survive out there for months, if not years, and I would be you know, frozen somewhere well, two days later. I think you and I share certain urbane sensibilities. I think it's one of the yeah. things actually you and, and Lawrence and I have in common. I know Bethany is, is a little more rugged. You know, she's a little bit more of a country girl, at least originally, uh, or not so much. Am I wrong about that? Not, not so much anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I know city girl now, but <laughs> I was gonna say she now she's a, a dazzling urbanite like the rest of us. I know that, exactly. that uh, you, you and Lawrence first bonded over a shared love of a foreign film, and I don't know how much foreign cinema there is to be found in the wilderness. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would be so a tough much. life, but it, it would be. It would needless be. to say, this cat will be in this predictable, small, constrained indoor environment somewhere, it'll live in an apartment or a house. And it'll be so happy. Like, what is the worst that could possibly happen? You know, the cat well, will the periodically thing. bump into something. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the other thing that kills me is that there is all is that there is an adoptive family for this cat. This is not mm-hmm. a situation 
Um, and I actually want to talk to you a little bit about Oscar and, and the circumstances around his adoption. But I know with yes. Homer, I was like the adopter of last resort. Basically, nobody else wanted mm-hmm. this kitten. And and again, I think things have come a really long way. And I it doesn't seem from from what I know in speaking with the rescue organization, there was no issue. She was an adorable little tab, blind tabby kitten. And there, yeah. they did not have a difficult time at all finding an adoptive home for her. And, and that just makes this so much sadder in a way, um, yeah. because this is not a case of a blind kitten languishing for lack of care or love who nobody yeah. wants. Um, no, I also suspect if I may say, I think some people um, just do not like cats and, and I, I, I cannot speak for this person, but there is a potential that they just do not like cats in general. So to them, the fewer there are in the world, the better. And I do encounter that attitude more frequently, not so much people questioning, you know, if a blind cat can live a, a happy life, but just wondering like, oh, why, why do you have cats instead of a dog? Cats are so boring. You know, they're a beginner pet. They're a, you know, quote unquote, a, a woman's pet. You know, oh I, I've heard God. this stuff all the time. So really? I mean, that's one, one potential thing uh, out of that. I mean, cats are not, I guess, seen by some people as, you know, very macho, which is completely it's the furthest thing from the truth. I mean, but, cats are the most agile, wonderful, incredible creatures, you know. Now, see, like the, I was going to say this. It's very interesting that you say this because longtime listeners of this podcast know that I don't get I don't usually get so fired up. I'm about to get really fired up. So bear with me. But longtime listeners of this podcast know that I've stated frequently that that part of the resistance that I feel that I face within the publishing industry, for example, that despite, you know, I always have very strong sales numbers, but I'm always having to prove that like, like offer proof of concept, like no, really people will buy books about cats. And one of the reasons for that, I always think is because cats are associated with women and there's just not a lot of respect in certain industries and institutions for things that are primarily associated with women. But no one has ever actually directly said to me, cats are a woman's pet, but you are saying that somebody has actually said this to you. Yes. I'm not going to name any names but oh, yeah, we want names was, uh, no i'm kidding yeah I, although i do kind of yeah. want a name but that's okay I'll just uh, robert <laughs> then we're gonna end it right there <laughs> why don't you say it in pig latin like robert yeah. ray <laughs> robert if robert Smay. in dallas yeah <laughs> right. no. Uh, no i do encounter that sometimes and uh you know it's i i think it's absolutely ridiculous in this day and age you know in the united states there are more cats as pets than dogs i think that even though there are more more dog households but i think there are more cats there in are general, more cats there are more men who own cats than women actually as it happens yeah. only slightly i mean it's it's a pretty cat you know male cat owners versus yeah. female cat owners it's about a 50-50 split but it does skew ever so slightly male for whatever yeah, that's worth. That's interesting. Yeah. Yes. And I think it's just time to, you know, reject all these, you know, misconceptions and old tales because it's, uh, you know, we're, we're 20 years into this new century. And, <sighs> you know, how can we still hang on to all this nonsense? I think pets or cats, as a matter of fact, are the ultimate pet to have now in these, you know, mega urban environments, you know, sure. people live with less square footage. Cats can be quite happy as long as you give them, you know, some climbing trees and a little bit of stimulation here and there. And I think it's fantastic. But anyway, I, I really sincerely hope that uh, everything works out with this cat in Sweden because, you know, Oscar's story after he gained popularity on YouTube 10 years ago, uh, maybe the fact that his name was spelled Oscar with, with a K kind of a, you know, Nordic Germanic spelling of the name. Yes. And I want to talk about that too, because I know Lawrence loves this story, but but continue. So popular, so popular in Sweden. And over the years, we actually had fans of Oscar coming through Seattle on two or three separate occasions, um, you know, asking if they could stop by and meet Oscar, which we always allowed people to stop by and take a picture and read him and play with him. You know, if it means something to them, why not? I wasn't afraid of anything. Sure. And, and yeah. And, out of all of the countries of the world, I think with the exception of maybe Canada, I think Sweden was the number two spot as far as people. So it kind of gives you a kind of a, a glimpse statistically that potentially there has to be a humongous number of fans there. Yeah. And and I will say for what it's worth, and I definitely don't want people to let up on their efforts, but I know that there has been some progress so far that I'm hearing from the rescue group there that that we are getting some momentum around just the number of signatures on 
the petition and the number of people who are writing, sending emails and their firsthand yeah. eyewitness accounts of, of living with or taking care of blind cats um, is definitely making a difference. But I do want to talk, uh, you know, about Oscar and and going back to his adoption story because I know it, it is around the the ten year anniversary of when you first adopted Oscar. Yeah. And you know, I I already of course know the answer to this question, but I'm going to give you a jumping off point to tell the story. Um, yep. Had you set out to adopt? a blind kitten or, or to adopt a kitten at all. How is it that, that Oscar first came into your life? I don't know how many people actually know Oscar's origin story as it were. Sure. Yeah. So I adopted Oscar, uh, in July of 2011. So we're looking at exactly, you know, the 10 year mark. And I certainly wasn't looking to adopt another cat because we had, and we still have Klaus, our other cat, Klaus, Klaus the immortal. A, Klaus the yeah, immortal cat. <laughs> it, pretty much. He's 21 years old now, but Klaus. Good Lord, well, God bless him. He, yeah, no, he's doing great. And he is obsessed with dogs. He he loves dogs. He was a stray <laughs> cat for a while. And I suspected that maybe he interacted with, you know, dogs in this uh, part of town where he was living. I don't know what it was, but somehow he has absolutely no fear of dogs, which makes dogs really interested in him. And, you know, he would play with dogs every time friends brought a dog over, or, you know neighbor for example would stop by we would always invite the dog in and they were puzzled by how this cat gets along with the dog so well so the, i'm a little puzzled was, by it too but but uh, yeah good for, good for class but, no it was great and uh the goal was at some point we were going to ad- adopt a dog because that would be the perfect match for klaus and we tried introducing him to other cats in the past and he was you know in his own environment at our house and he was very dominant and kind of put the cats in their place. And we thought that it would be a very difficult introduction to make. So we, we settled on a dog. We never did adopt a dog, but I went, uh, I lived in Omaha, Nebraska at the time and browsing Craigslist uh, one day um, with a friend of mine, we discovered that there was a farmer in a place called Glendale or Glenwood. I think it's Glenwood, Iowa. He, he was selling an old auto harp, kind of an outdated, you know, instrument last played probably by hippies in the seventies, but he wanted to sell the auto harp and that it required me to drive out, you know, the 40 minutes outside of Omaha and uh, pick this up. So you Bethany, were not looking for a pet at all that day. I, I mean, you were I, no, not looking was, for another, you were just looking for some beat up old secondhand just, musical it, instrument. Just, just cool musical instruments. And it was just fun. You know, Omaha of course is just, you know, it's a relatively big city, but it's in the middle of uh you know, farm country. So it's really fun driving out on all these like little scouting expeditions to see what's being sold in these little towns or, you know, you know, towns of like five homes, sometimes very small (laughs) places. But anyway, that's exactly what happened. I told Bethany, my wife, Bethany, that, you know, you want to jump in the car with me, go on this little road trip and, you know, see what's out there. And she did. She likes those little mini adventures. We went out to the farm I ended up buying the auto harp, but the farmer's son, who was actually selling the instrument, um, also mentioned just jokingly, he's like, yeah, we have a really unique kitten that was born on the farm and and maybe you want to take him home too. And he introduced us to Oscar. And at the time, Oscar was about eight weeks old. He was living outdoors. He had absolutely, you know, no indoor space that was made for him. Um, He was living outdoors on the farm, like all the other farm cats. And he uh, he was underneath one of the tractors, just sleeping in the shade because it was hot. You know, it's July in the Midwest. And the farmer's son bent down and found this kitten and handed him over. And right away, we noticed that he just didn't look the same, that his eyes were never fully developed. Or it looks like they were not open. So we thought, is it possible that, you know, the the eyes are still shut? Uh, Because you could see the eyelids quite well. Yeah. As, As it turns out, you know, Oscar was born with microthalmia, so his eyes were never fully developed. The globes were much, much smaller. He had zero vision, but he was comfortable living outside. He was, you know, chasing grasshoppers and, you know, just seemed completely confident, trusting of people and, and total charmer. I mean, he just immediately fell in love with this cat and decided that uh, we probably should bring him home with us because the only thing we knew was that he would have, um, a harder time living outside that his, you know, chance of survival is actually pretty limited. 
because that region of the country, A, you know, if he's, he's out on a farm, you would encounter coyotes, foxes. Sure. Um, this is the also the migratory route for raptors, like eagles and hawks. So we... I didn't know much about blind cats. The idea of a blind cat was kind of puzzled me. I never gave it much thought. You know, I was maybe um, a little bit backwards in my thinking. You know, my assumption was that he would perpetually run into things at home. We would have to put some sort of padding down around some of the corners and floorboards and chairs, which of course wasn't the case. But, you know, we, we took him home later that day. And and now today you you still live with Klaus and you live yep. with two other blind cats as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I, I wait, I have to say, and before you launch into the show, after you know, you I know you adopted Juno and Jen, and then George, and I do want to talk about them. But after mm-hmm. you adopted George, who's you know, second I was talking to Lawrence about it, and he's like, he said, Wow, Mick and Bethany really are good people, aren't they? And I was like, we would oh. have like 5,000 blind cats in this house. If you would let me bring any more kittens home, you're always yeah. sure no more cats. I, would, yeah, well, I mean, I mean there's a, Nick and Bethany there's totally are good yeah. people, but I, was, no, no, <laughs> no, no, we were very lucky. I don't think there's, but you, you have know, three, you, and, and I just have to, you have, so you have three cats, mm-hmm. two little girls younger than, than five or six. At, yeah. At this point. Well, one's five, one's six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you go. And and the two of you living in in a not especially humongous um, no no like it's two bedroom apartment and and so tell us tell yeah, us a little bit about it, that what life looks like in the uh, sure it's it's you know about a thousand square feet here maybe a little bit more I don't know it's not a very big place now we moved here from Omaha to Seattle and we have always lived in the same place it's a condo that uh, made sense when. It was just, you know, the two of us and two cats and, you know, cats that are relatively low energy. And then, of course, the family grew and expanded. And I don't know if it was ever really worth moving out of here. I mean, I enjoy the location. The neighborhood is filled with fantastic parks. It's a, it's a beautiful place. and It, it is the, a beautiful place. I, I mean, I will kids, say it, it is a very del- it is a delightful spot. And you have a yeah, patio set up on the balcony for the exactly. cats. Exactly. And- entertaining things. Uh, you know, the view is good because we face, uh, you know, downtown Seattle and Elliott Bay. So there are a lot of, you know, seagulls and all sorts of crazy creatures out there. And the cats do go out onto a deck into the catio, which is essentially this, you know, tall cage that they can enter all day long. I mean, it's, it has been open non-stop now for the last month so the cats can go in and out all day all night and there aren't a lot of mosquitoes here in seattle so the beauty is you can keep things like that open all night long and you don't have to worry about bugs that, that then, is not the case here in jersey by the way mosquitoes no, no. hate me mosquitoes do leave, completely leave me alone but they love lawrence and well, uh, yeah I should take that back. We actually did have an episode of a few getting in recently and, and they went straight for the kids who decided for uh. fun. They were going to like a living room camp out. They would sleep in the living room, you know, <laughs> and uh, they suffered. It was like a real camp out. You know, they woke yeah. up with all sorts of wealth. But anyway, the place is not big, but I treat it as just a place. This is why we don't hang out in nature, by the way, like outdoors. This is why you and I wisely decide to, uh, you know, take advantage of, of the in- great indoors. Day hikes is fine. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. No, no camping overnight. Exactly. But anyway, the, the place isn't big, but it works. The kids, you know, Faye and Fern, the girls, they share a room. Uh, most of the time they're outside, you know, throughout the summer months after they have their summer program at school. They're there from 9 until 4 p.m. And then we go straight to the park and we don't come home until 7.30 and then they have an hour or so before going to bed. So I just just found that if we had more room, the only thing that would change is that the messes would get bigger. (laughs) That is uh, probably true. (laughs) So it's just easier to clean the place. But ultimately, the goal is to, you know, find a bigger place and just, uh, you know, settle into a house and then maybe get that dog for Klaus ultimately and you know, well, so, make so his dream come about, true. <laughs> better late than never. But um, tell us about Juno and George and, and how they came into your lives. Uh, absolutely. So Oscar was in our life from the time, you know, we adopted him a decade ago. 
until the early months of 2018. He passed away suddenly. He was, I mean, the healthiest, happiest cat. You have, he never had a bad day. I mean, he that was, was devastating. I, I mean, that was, you know, it, there is certainly it, a mercy in not having to go through the prolonged illness, but he was, he was no, a young cat and but, it was... Sudden. But it was one of those, you know, moments where he was absolutely his crazy wild, you know, like trying to steal food from my plate at breakfast kind of, a, you know, that was the type of day that we had. Like it was completely normal. And then later in the day, he suffered from uh, heart failures. He carried some abnormality, some condition that was undetected and he passed away suddenly. And that was, again, early 2018. In June of that year, uh, I heard from a lady, a friend of ours who works at um, a shelter called Paws, that there is a blind kitten being transferred from Central California from an overcrowded shelter situation up to Seattle. We were asked if we wanted to meet her. And uh, I said, of course, because, you know, Klaus was an only child for a number of months. And I think he really needed another cat buddy of some sort. And I met Juno in the summer of that year. And we planned everything, you know, for bringing her home right away. You know, she just needed to be spayed and then she would be ours. But the poor girl, it was discovered she had ringworm. So the shelter Aww. could not release her with ringworm. So she yeah. went into a, the care of this wonderful couple uh, volunteers for the shelter and they just specialize in cats with ringworm. So they actually, that is an interesting know, to, specialty to, to, it, I yeah. mean, it's God bless that there are people who do that. But yes. it's, I mean, the, the one day you wake up and say, you know what I want to do? I want to dedicate yeah. my life to cats who have ringworm. Um, it's so true, but you know, thank God they exist. No, and, absolutely. I mean, it's just, you know, it's not so much, I mean, it's, it's the things you don't think of that I guess the, the yeah. more time you spend working in rescue or working with rescue, exactly. um, it, that you realize that it's, you know, and, and these are the conversations I have with, with people again, who know nothing, who find it astonishing that there's even such a thing as no kill shelters and, exactly. and you realize just how much effort it really takes to, to keep a rescue organization going and, and how much work is done. It's amazing. It's, it's unbelievable the amount of effort that goes into it. And, you know, it, there's so many things that you would never think about it. Like the fact that a lot of these animals do have a parasite that needs to be dealt with in a special way. Right. And it's a time consuming process because from July of 2018, she was in their care until early November because she kept testing positive for it. And then there is a, I think like a two week or three week window where she has to have two negative tests based that, you know, that distance of time apart. And uh, ultimately we brought her home on November 10th of 2018. And she just integrated right into the household with Klaus. I mean, it was just immediate bonding. Now this is something I actually want to, because I, so you know, of course, I follow you guys on social media and and we are going to actually let people know, by the way, anyone who's not already following you, where on social media mm -hmm. can they follow you? Absolutely. So on. I mean, on I do want to come back to yeah. this because I yeah. do want to talk about some of the stuff I see in social media, but let people know yes. where they can find you. On Instagram, you can find Klaus and all the cats appear on all of the accounts that we have. So, you know, you just have to find one. Right. But find the Klaus cat, just one word, T-H-E, and then K-L-A-U-S-C-A-T. And we have the Juno cat, J-U-N-O, the okay. spelling of her name. So the Juno cat. And then you can find us on Facebook. You just have to search for right. Oscar the blind cat and Klaus, and you will find that page. So I, you know, I, I love, you, you do such a great job on social media. Um, you, you really, and again, this was, it was definitely something you and Lawrence is a film guy and, and you are also a, a, a visual guy as well. You, you take tremendous photographs and you shoot great video and, and you just do, I am, I am always quite uh, impressed and envious of your uh, social media. Acumen, oh, Mar um, well, thank you. And the great Mar images you create. Um, but I, you know, one thing I also I think is just amazing. It, it seems to me, granted, as non-looker from the other side of the country, but when yeah. you first brought home Juno and then George, and one of the things that people write to me about most frequently, I would say, mm -hmm. mistaking me for an expert on cats when really I am only an expert on my own cats. Um, yeah. But, you know, with questions about how to integrate a new cat into the household, it can be very yeah. fraught. 
And looking at your social media feed, it, it just looks so seamless. It looks like you brought these cats home and, and everyone immediately fell in love with everybody. And the kids fell in love with yep. the cats and the cats fell in love with the kids and the cats fell in love with each mm-hmm. other. And, and is that actually how it is? Were you just lucky or was this something that you had to work at behind the scenes? Definitely lucky. The hardest integration was uh, bringing Oscar home to Klaus. And this is before we documented all of this on social media. I did capture a lot of footage of Oscar when he was first brought home. I actually have footage of him on that little farm even before we adopted him because I used to just collect all sorts of video clips just for my own you know, memories in the future. And going back to the introduction, that took about a solid week of separation. I think the fact that Klaus feels most challenged by other male cats, um, you know, because we found this out later with Georgia as well. It, it took, you know, some clever, you know, kind of separation of the cats, but also a little bit of integration. So you can feed Klaus and Oscar, you know, give them their meal at the same time, but keep the bowls on the opposite side of a closed door. So there's that gap underneath the door. Some of the cats, you know, the sense travels back sure. and forth and they can kind of start associating maybe the joy of eating their dinner you know with one another smell it just well, kind that's of the reinforces idea. The, the, the positive, right yeah. the positive association yeah. is positive what, association with kittens i imagine it's somewhat easier you know i definitely found yeah. with, with, in our household mm-hmm. um you know because kittens are so much smaller and and so an adult cat they may not like the kitten at first and they, they may be yeah. very grumpy and very scarlet never you know, was never happy when there was a new yeah. in the house, but she also sort of, glee- you know, gleaned pretty quickly that if she wanted to, she could smack the heck out of this kitten. And exactly. So she was much, much bigger than the kitten. And there was really nothing for her to be threatened. By. Yeah. The, the fights are very brief. You know, of course, two adult cats being introduced to one another, you, you know, there's the potential that they'll just yeah. keep going at it for a right. while. But, you know, Klaus is a dominant male cat, you know, and. Oh, but he's he such still a is sweet in the household. Boy, too. He's such a mushy boy. Oh, he, well, he is. Oh, well, totally. Yeah, but he's still. <laughs> you know, the the pecking order is such that he's number one when he approaches the food bowls. You know, the other cats kind of clear out for a moment. They're not very pushy, <laughs> and and he sets those expectations. You know, by kind of you know he smacked the other cats a couple of times until like, they like if your house was a prison yard, he would sort of be the gang leader. <laughs> he, he's yeah, he's definitely the gang leader. Yeah, hands down there. But <laughs> but he's such a inter- sweet boy. I mean, that's I, I have to say it. I've I've had the, the privilege of of meeting Klaus quite a few oh, times. And he's one of a kind. Such I, a mellow. sweet, mushy, mellow. You can just like yeah. I mean, pet him yeah. and and grab him and squeeze him and oh, you and do it. So anything. That, yeah. That's why it was easy to always travel with him and go places. Even before all of these, you know, cat events and other things. You know, perhaps we'll talk about him later. But travel with Klaus is always a pleasure, and he would just. You know, either lay on your lap in the car for six hours straight and just nap or he was in his carrier sleeping. Uh, but anyway, the introduction between Oscar and Klaus took one week. And then all of a sudden, it was just on day seven, Klaus just, you know, put down, let down his guard and said, you know, that's it. Like, he's not going anywhere. He gave him <laughs> a, a nice lick, you know, a kiss. And then that was Aww. it. And then they became inseparable. I mean, they were buddies. And there, had, yeah. there was never a time in which they got into any sort of fight at any point where we thought that fur would be flying. With Juno, it was instantaneous. I don't know if it was the fact that, you know, he missed having Oscar for that six-month, you know, period, or a little bit over six months, I guess. But he just took to her immediately, you know, just sniffed her a lot. When we opened the carrier, I, I, I kind of, I was impatient, and I opened it up so you could see the fact that we're bringing another cat home. But I was expecting to do the separation, but it was unnecessary. I felt comfortable enough to leave both of them together, you know, like later that day. Like we left the house and they were totally fine. There was no issue whatsoever. They have never fought. And then in December of last year is when we brought George home. And there was a little period of separation. I think uh, the fact that it's another male cat maybe put Klaus off, but it took maybe four or five days, if that. Maybe George looks to be days. such a like such a character. He looks like again, and I'm going strictly based on what I see in social media because I've not. He is. I mean, so Juno yeah. and George have both come into your life during COVID. By the way, they like they're they're sort of quarantine cats to a to a certain K- kind extent. of yeah yeah yeah. I mean, George for sure yeah yeah. Um, 
but they he he looks like such a sweet boy and like, he, is. he has so much personality and uh I, just I, I, uh, like made like like camera ready like made made to be a star you know like he's got that 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 zazz that quality oh he absolutely the perfect cat <laughs> in in every way i mean he's a cuddle bug Aww. i'm trying to find him right now as i'm walking through the house he's out in the catio but yeah on the very top highest perch of the catio he's sitting in his cat bed no, he, no, he's incredible. And I don't think I can even capture all of it via social media because it requires, you know, I need cameras filming the house all the time. I just need to leave them on like security cams. And right. then people would get a glimpse of everything he does. Because if you walk through this house, you know, in the morning, walking from one room to another, he's already waiting behind some doorway, you know, ready to ambush you. I mean, he just <laughs> springs up, you know, arms out, tries to, you know grab your upper thigh and I mean, just constant just constant play do the girls think, love him they must love him they must oh, they be absolutely. so excited when they wake up every morning to see him yes they had no clue that he was uh coming home i didn't have any clue george was not adopted because i set out to get a cat that specific day i thought that you know having a duo in this small place two cats two kids that's a right formula but george's story is such that he comes from exactly the same shelter which is pause here in uh, in the Seattle area. Who knew you were a sucker? They're like, uh, they like, they did. And they introduced <laughs> me to Juno specifically because one thing I'm going to backtrack a little bit. I was not also necessarily looking for another blind sure. Abby cat to replace Oscar. I, I thought that at some point we would adopt another cat or maybe that dog finally. But as it happened that, you know, they knew that Oscar had a good life here with me and they brought up the fact that this blind kitten's coming from California and, you know, I mean, they knew what I was doing with blind cats, which, by the way, I think anybody can take care of a blind cat. There's no trick to it. Which is they do true. Great. But I think a rescue yeah. also, you know, especially but, the, the nature of no kill shelters, they, they yeah. feel very good knowing that the cat is Ex- going to an ideal home. Exactly. I, I don't blame them for asking me. And I'm very thankful that they did. Sure. But George is from the exact same town in California that Juno's from, where she was found from, I think, Merced, California. He was also born with eyes that had to you know surgically be removed because of a infection or something some trauma i nobody really knows the background story but it's the exact same thing as as that juno went through and it just made sense and i thought that i would go to the shelter just to capture some videos and take some pictures of them you know because then i could share that on social media and say like hey we had such incredible luck with our wonderful juno cat she came from paws you know here's a another cat that kind of has the same background but he just won us over immediately i mean right. it wasn't even it was like a split second and we knew that this cat has to when you know you know i, I yeah. look i i went down very i mean officially i was non-committal when i went down to meet homer and of mm-hmm. course it you know it's it's so hard if you're a rescuer if you're a person who loves cats and, and animals and especially when you know that there it's a special needs animal and that there's kind of a hard luck story involved, it, it's very difficult to to remain distant. But there's also just sometimes that moment where you just know, like you just know I was meant yep. to be with this cat. This cat was meant to be with me. I, I do. And and I love talking to you and, and you and I can certainly talk for um, for a good long time. We're, we're, we're both yep. schmoozers. But I do, before we have to go, I want to make sure yep. um, that we let people know. So you have a, a new venture, uh, a new website, and and I just want you, and, and I, I want you to talk about that and also about your books a little bit. So tell us first about this new, the new website and what people can find, where people can find it, what they can find when they go there. Absolutely. I need to uh, double check that I have the URL the right way. Uh, That's right how new here. it is. You don't even have yeah, that, the URL that, committed to memory. <laughs> exactly but i am about to open it i'm going to go to our instagram account which is the klaus cat and by clicking on the very top there's a drop down link list which will then take me to the uh the website but anyway it's just it's essentially a lot of people ask they, they show support by wearing some sort of oscar or klaus t-shirt and you know, we had a lot of demand for shirts over the years and over the, the initial year or two of uh, doing social media, we thought that the smart thing to do was to stock all of the, the T-shirts ourselves. And as it so happens, you get a discount on them by buying them in bulk. And 
Yes. One size runs out immediately, and then you know you have this gap. And then if you want to reorder that size, you realize the pricing is no longer as good. So I turned to a company called Bonfire, and they are um, fantastic. They they print all of our shirts, and we use the shirts uh, and the profits that we generate to support our book donation initiative. And we'll talk about the books in a second, but. The Oscar and Klaus children's books have found their way into many school systems uh, at no cost to the teachers because we have uh, a little bit of money that comes in to offset their printing. And the the books, the, the children's books, and and we have that we have a few here in our house. Um, and we don't have children. We we just enjoy uh, good good literature and and good pictures, and they are actually beautifully beautifully done. I have to say. Um, and, and very, really just, just gorgeous illustrations, um, in addition to being great Thank stories you. and having a very positive message and, and talk a little bit about, you know, it's a message, not just about rest, special needs animals, but also about this idea that the differences are not, do not have to be inhibiting. The differences don't, you know, are not the same thing as being different is not the same thing as being incapacitated in some Exactly. Way. Yeah. I think the ultimate message of the the books is that, uh, you know, Oscar is one of the two protagonists, you know, Klaus is the sidekick. Right. Oscar was never defined by his blindness, which is very strange because everybody knows him as Oscar, the blind cat. Right. I mean, ultimately, he but Oscar be did not as, know yeah. himself as a blind. It, I mean, I think that's it, really it, the it, thing. Homer never yeah. knew that there was a sense that he yeah. was missing. And I don't just mean that nobody told him that. I mean, he was never afraid. He never was inhibited. There were never things that he wanted to do, but seemed to be hesitant about doing. He just lived his life. Exactly. And, and just, I'm yeah. guessing Oscar was the same way. Exactly. Yeah, it's exactly that. It's like, you know, just do it. I mean, just did it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, whatever he put his mind to, he did it. And honestly, I never thought about Oscar as a blind cat at any point other than when interacting with fans who are interested in, in maybe adopting a blind cat of their own and they had specific questions. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Lawrence always said Homer blind, was faking. So, yeah. <laughs> he always said no, Homer was faking blindness. <laughs> it's, that's exactly that was, it. Uh, well, no, any person, you know, I'm, you know, third blind cat now here. So right. <laughs> any person who enters the house and if it's, a, you know, some maintenance or delivery or, you know, God knows what else. When they come in here, they would have absolutely no idea that any of the cats are blind. They just find them to be extremely interesting because a lot of times you walk into a person's house, you don't even know they have a cat because it's hiding underneath a bed upstairs somewhere. Here, the cats just go straight for whoever's here. They're so curious. I mean, they go out, you know, they sniff the person, you know, they engage, you know, they try to play with them. They wrestle the shoes, whatever they do, (laughs) you know, but it's, it's just sad. Like you don't ever think about them as being blind until you just look at them for a while and you notice the physical difference, but. And which which brings us back around to this idea of, of, you know, please, if those of you who are listening, we encourage you, those of you with experience with, with blind cats, either your own or rescue again, please do write to the government of Sweden. And I will be giving you that information again. Um, But, you know, let them know that, that there, I mean, the, the very idea that it's cruel to allow a blind kitten to grow up and, and live a life is, is in and of itself, such a barbaric idea to me that, that I'm still not sure what to do with it. But if people want to find these books with this incredibly positive message, where can they find, if they want to bring them into their own home or donate them to their own, you know, to schools in their area, where can they find these books? Absolutely. The books are found on Oscar and Klaus. Dot com so O S K A R A N D and Klaus is K L A U S dot com Oscar and Klaus dot com and the shirts that we just talked about Oscar and Klaus dot bonfire B O N F I R E dot com so Oscar and Klaus dot bonfire dot com will get you the shirts take out the bonfire part Oscar and Klaus dot com takes you straight to our main merch site and we ship everything here from Seattle. We can potograph the books, customize them, write messages for anyone. All sorts of bonus goodies are always thrown in along with the books. So yeah, there's there's always fun stuff cooking at the uh, it's, it's <laughs> at fun the, when it's a at the Klaus cat house. Exactly. <laughs> well, there's Vic- a lot of uh, Klaus fur guaranteed. I think he, <laughs> the cats have sat on every one of the books. Now, so do you charge extra for the cat fur? I'm just wondering. 
that, that comes with the packages. That is, that's the bonus. Or is that like the little bit of fairy yeah. dust that gets sprinkled it, on to, to, to send the magic through the mail? It's summertime, 33% <laughs> more for free. Guaranteed. Well, so then if, if you're listening to the show now, you, you want to order quick before the weather changes. Uh, exactly. Get get maximum fur with your order. Uh, exactly Meg, thank right. you. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for joining me. I'm so glad that we finally got to... Uh, to have you here and and on an interview that that hopefully is going to sound good for listeners and uh, and just so much yes. love to to you and Bethany and the girls and the kitties and and mad respect for everything you guys do. Well, thank you so much. Always a pleasure to chat. Let's do it again soon. Thanks so much for listening all the way to the end of this episode. And again, to remind you, please remember Kelly the Kitten. Do what you can to advocate for her, to be a voice for this voiceless kitten and all those voiceless cats out there who need people like us to to speak for them. Head over to GwenCooper.com. Click the Save Kelly the Kitten tab on my website and you will find information on what you can do to help her out. And uh, thanks so much again for listening. And don't forget to tune in next week for more Curl Up with a Cattail. And that concludes this episode of Curl Up with a Cattail with Gwen Cooper. Don't forget to invite your feline-loving friends to listen to new episodes along with you. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, find out how to get your name and your cat's name included in my next book, or leave comments or questions for me to answer in future podcasts, head on over to GwenCooper.com now. Thanks so much for joining me, and don't forget to hug your cat today.